This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. And welcome to the Courtney Turner Podcast. My guest today was actually one of my very first podcast guests when I first started this. Uh, and it was such a great discussion. If you haven't seen it, I highly recommend that you go back and check that out. He has a new book, and we're going to talk about that. Uh, it is on a subject that I have done many shows on and, you know, something that I am very passionate about. It's uh, very unfortunate that this is something that even needs awareness, but it does. So, we're going to talk about his new book, The Great Reveal. And uh, welcome, John Cooper. How are you doing today? How are you doing, Courtney? I must say, I really love the 80 synth music on that intro. I have to. It's <laughs> really, really good. <laughs> Thank you. I, I love it, too. Unfortunately, YouTube does not love it. And uh, yeah, YouTube and I are, we're, we're not very good friends. They, they I think I'm on my mm. third channel. They just gave me another strike. But yeah. <laughs> but but thank yeah, I know you. The yeah, I know the feeling on that one. <laughs> oh, pardon? Yeah, no, I know the feeling. I've had many uh, strikes on my uh, YouTube channel, violations and all mm -hmm. that sort of thing. It's a love hate relationship with YouTube, definitely. For sure, for sure. Well, how have you been? It's been a while. You, you since we last been a while. Yeah, I didn't realize I was your first guest or one of your first guests either. That's quite a. It's quite an honor. Yeah, I, I don't remember what episode it was, but it was definitely within the first uh, 20 or 30. So, yeah, mm. I think we're uh, the episodes. I think this is three, almost 360, but I've done well over 400 mm. now. I think almost 450. So, yeah. Wow. Yeah. So, definitely, definitely Prolific. one of my first ones. <laughs> <Amazing>. <laughs> yeah. So, you just wrote a book. Yeah. Shall I tell you a little mm -hmm. bit about that? Yeah. Please. Should, I, should we go into that? Yeah. Okay. So, um, so, um, by the way, we, I can see we've got a little bit of lag on the, on the call, but never mind. Yeah. <laughs> we'll just try and do our best. <laughs> I'm noticing that there's like yes. a two second delay. Never mind. Um, anyway. Yeah. So I've got a, a podcast called raising the bar and, um, the whole idea with this podcast is to invite on thought leaders. Um, I've invited yourself on, we talked about health. Um, but the idea is to bring on various thought leaders where we can, Get the education we never got at school basically history psychology yeah. philosophy um bringing on whistleblowers people that have been deplatformed basically alternative media which for me is the primary media that's where we should all be going to first before we go to the farmer controlled media and the you know government controlled media so um that's okay. the name of the of the podcast and uh, one of the guests i had on was a tremendous guy's name's john wedger he's a ex police detective uh, ex-metropolitan uh, police detective and um, he uncovered an enormous story huge story 
Uh, and it's all about exposing child trafficking uh, that goes all the way to the very, very top. Uh, and he started off just as a, you know, an honest, you know, cop, basically. Uh, he was mm. asked to track down paedophiles on canal boats. Um, they're called mm. transient paedophiles because they, that's him in there in the middle there. Uh, transient paedophiles because they were not on the sex register. And he was expected to find, you know, maybe a couple of months, something like that. He was finding 10 a day, or I think he found 19 in one week. Um, wow. You know, it was, yeah, sorry. He found, yeah, if, I think he found 19. I have to check that. I've got it on the back back of the book. Let me get this right. Sorry, 90, 90, 90 oh, in one wow. week. Uh, and so instead of being commemorated and commended for that, he was dragged into an office and basically told he needs to step down. Otherwise, in, he's in serious trouble. And he was like, what's going on here? Why, why wouldn't they be pleased about this? Why wouldn't they, you know, be uh, congratulating me for all this hard work that I'm doing catching these guys? Right. And he started to, the, uh, the kind of the doubt started to set in, uh, uh, you know, with what he believed to be a credible institution. And uh, he started to continue anyway. He thought, sod this, I'm going to continue. Uh, he started mm -hmm. to track down care homes and um, he started to ask questions in the care homes. And he found out that, girls and boys were being groomed from the care homes and being pimped out to um, businessmen that were arriving at the care homes. And they were, the children were being sold for 2,000 pounds a pop. And um, he was like, what the hell's going on here? So he called more care homes in North London and he realized that dozens of girls and boys were going missing every night from these care homes. The place you expect that should be looking after these kids and caring for them so they can get their life straight they were being pimped out by the care homes to businessmen that were coming and picking them up. And um, it was at this point where the he realised that the police force were was corrupt from top to bottom because he was told that if he didn't stand down, then he would lose his home, his liberty and his livelihood. And wow. he did. He did nearly end up losing everything because of this, because he pursued it. And um, he realized that when he scraped the surface even more, he realized this, this didn't go to the top of the police who were actually allowing all this, which is you know, horrendous in itself. This was going yeah. to politicians and even to the top guys, to the royal family in England as well, certain royal members. So this is, mm -hmm. this is huge. You know, we know in England about Prince Andrew, but there's other names as well that um, we touch upon in the book that, you know, if I was to say, you know, if people knew about this, then it would be, uh, you know, it'd be pretty explosive, put it that way. Um, and so yeah. started to become a bit of a magnet for other survivors and people started to come, come to him. Um, there were girls being pimped out as young as sort of 10 or 11 um, all over London. And um, he was able to talk to them, find out what was going on. And he, he learned how the whole network worked and this is why you find that criminals actually have a relationship with some of the girls on the street and also the police and the politicians and all the street level, you know, criminals, they're all in one network. And it, right. as he started to unravel it more and more, he realized there was even a darker edge to this as well, where a lot of children would be um, trafficked to go to certain satanic ritual events where a lot of these children would be slaughtered all as part of this whole um, ritual. So that's why it's it's not just about the paedophilia, 
um, that permeates all of society and goes all the way to the you know the political class and beyond, but it also goes into this darker element, this darker occult element of satanic ritual abuse. Wow. Um, how much of the satanic ritual abuse did he share? Yeah, quite quite a lot, Courtney. He exposed to me, he explained to me um, and exposed the whole system and how it works. He even showed me the, um, the pyramid, the structure of how it works. So on the bottom level, the children in the satanic ritual world, they're known as diamonds. So that's like the code word for children that they're trying to find on the streets. And so you can even see that in certain songs when they're referencing this, like Rihanna talks about um, shine bright like a diamond. Um, I think Sam Smith talks about, one of his songs is about diamonds. This is code mm -hmm. word for children that are, are slaughtered in these satanic rituals. Um, and so, that, wow. so that's like the bottom level, they're the children. And then the next level up from the diamonds, you have the spotters or the lookers, that's what they're called. So these would be the people that are on the streets looking to kidnap children. Um, some sometimes they spend a lot of time um, observing these children and learning their patterns and where they go if they're if they're going outside away from the parents. So they'll keep an eye on it, but sometimes they'll just be snatched, you know, when the when the parents aren't looking and they'll be taken away. Um, so these are called mm. the spotters and lookers, and some sometimes these can be people that are um, prostitutes, you know, people that are homeless because they're on the streets a lot and they're desperate for money. So they're seeing what's going mm. on and the level up from that is you have the actually i need to maybe need to get need to get it out in the book but you have yeah. the fixers that's the ne next level up is the fixers so the fixers are the ones that will organize the events in the country or in that city and mm -hmm. they would work with the spotters and the lookers so the fixers they would get calls in from various celebrities vips wealthy businessmen saying they want let's say for instance a blonde blue-haired nine-year-old boy the fixer will then work and speak to the spotter the looker to see if they can find anyone like that because they have contacts in all the care homes as well and they'll find that boy and then they'll bring him to a party and then he'll either be used for satanic rituals or sometimes these are just used for um you know rape and um that's why you had in england you had jim will fix it jimmy savile jimmy savile had a show called jim will fix it it was telling you in your face, it was hidden in plain sight that he was a fixer. He was a national fixer for all the people in England. And so wow. they're, they're the ones that would arrange the, uh, you know, bring in the kids for these, uh, for these events. And then the next level up would be when they have these events, they had to be, there has to be a lot of security. They have to create like a, a perimeter that's very secure to stop people getting into this event so they'd have ex-military who'd also be involved in this who are patrolling the area securing the venue and making sure that this is uh, forensically cleaned as well so you'd also have uh, what's known as cleaners come in so they would make sure that after these bloody horrific uh, events are done that everything is uh, forensically clean so that there's no repercussions from it and then the next level up from that you'd have the international fixers. So the international fixers are like your Ghislaine Maxwell's, your, um, your Jeffrey Epstein's. These are the ones that organize these events all over the world and they pull the guests in. There we go, Jim will fix it. Yeah, it's telling you in your face, he was a fixer. He was fixing it 
for the wealthy, for these psychopaths that want to rape and, and, and murder children. Uh, and look at him. We, you know, for years, the BBC protected this man. You know, he was a known yeah. paedophile within the BBC. Everyone knew about it. And yet he was still protected uh, until the moment he died. And then it all started to come out on all that. Like, the survivors uh, and the victims of him were starting to get their voice heard. But up until that point, it was completely buried. This, this guy was protected until the moment he died. And there's other names as well that we kind of allude to in the book. There's other celebrities right now that are on a similar level to Jimmy Savile. And they're also being protected and they will be protected until they die, which is a bit of a shame, but that's just how it kind of works. And the BBC is an absolute disgusting organisation. No one should be paying their uh, TV licence for the BBC. They are just a housing home. They're just a, uh, you know, a, a halfway home for these paedophiles um, to, you know, fester. And so anyway, yeah, as I was saying, from Jimmy Savile, you go to the international fixers. These are your Jeffrey Epstein's, your Ghislaine Maxwell's, and they will actually fly in children from all over the world to, well, to Epstein Island, to all, you know, to wherever they want to have these events, you know. And uh, mm -hmm. we now know that this stuff's come out. On that level, it's come out. But I don't think people are aware of the levels that come before it and also the levels that I'm going to mention after this as well. So after the international fixes, um, John Wedger was alluding to, uh, was telling me that um, the next level is you have the bloods. So it's not just about, sacrificing these children slaughtering these children as part of this ritual it's also about the blood and this blood is like a currency they use this blood um i think maybe some of your listeners might be aware of adrenochrome but this is a trade this is what's used the blood is taken and it's used on a mass scale as well and some of the uh the people that are involved with that are actually um very high businessmen very wealthy businessmen um and they are one level down. They're actually known as the Bloods. That's what that group is actually called, the Bloods. But the next level up huh. is actually the royal family. And also, I would say as well, like you, you'd also have the other kind of families in there, like the Rothschilds as well, and some other ones John Wedge was telling me about as well. These are actually the ruling, ruling families, and they are all satanic. They are all about um, the you know procuring the children, getting the blood, and mm -hmm. I think a lot of these. These families are even backlinked to Vlad the Impaler. If you actually do, if you go back through the, the history of this, the, fam the uh, family tree, it actually all backlinks to um, Vlad the Impaler. And they're all interconnected because they all share a similar kind of bloodline. Um, but anyway, that's what a kind of a, a, a snapshot. Vlad the Impaler, like a vampire. Yeah. Oh, in Transylvania, okay. I believe. Yeah. yeah. The impaler, yeah. They, right. If you actually do the do the, do the lineage, do the um, the backlinking, it, it goes back to him. Um, so that is kind of the the pyramid, if you like. So from the children, the diamonds, all the way up to the, you know, the the royals, the kind of the, the wealthy families right at the top, and they are to 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 the most most of them. I would say, I don't know. I, I I'm, not, I'm not you know privy to this information, but I would say nearly all of them are of that ilk, that satanic uh, bloodline that are there to uh, rape and sacrifice children. And then beyond that, you can we can maybe have a discussion about how that moves into the demonic realm, which might, <laughs> might start to lose mm. a few of the audience at this point. But, um, the, no, no, no. The more and more I, guests... I, I would be... More and more what? Yeah, I'm sorry. so tell... Well, I was just going to say... Do you, uh, 
so far is this sort of making sense what I'm saying because I know it can be quite a yeah uh, no no I I'm yeah no for sure um I I've done several interviews with satanic ritual abuse survivors um so I, yeah. it's definitely not my first time hearing any of this unfortunately mm. I wish it were um I I would really like to uh there's a large group of people who just shrug this off as you know completely crazy yeah. and uh all made up yeah. and i would like to be one of those people but unfortunately i've spoken to, to too many people who have yes. had some firsthand experience to just shrug it off um i am the one of the ones that people really shrug off is the adrenochrome can you talk a little bit about that did, did he give any kind of like very tangible kind of concrete uh indications of how that works or how he knows that he that's didn't what actually, they're using. We didn't actually touch no. too much on the adrenochrome issue, if I'm being honest with you. Um, but yeah, from everything that I've also learned, I mean, the thing is, it's not just about the, the, the book isn't just about John Wedger and the work I've done with him. Mm -hmm. I Like yourself, I've spoken to many different survivors now. I've become a magnet for this, where they've, they've come and sought me out to give me their uh, stories and tell me sure. what they've gone through. And it's so consistent amongst all these dozens of survivors that I've spoken to now where it, it just can't, it's just not, it cannot be a conspiracy theory because they would all have to club together and they don't know each other and they have to share stories to make sure exactly. it's all consistent. This is consistent of right. every survivor I've spoken to that this sort of stuff goes on. The adrenochrome, if people don't know what that is, it's basically when a child is sacrificed and they're pumped and, you know, they're in that state of adrenalized, you know, that state of fear. Um, that blood is then, mm. when they're killed, that blood is then extracted and they then ingest that blood and it gives them a hit. It gives them some, you know, some kind of feeling of aliveness. And you even see echoes of that in movies with the vampires, you know, drinking the blood and, you know, or even humans drinking the blood and becoming vampires. They become part of that club. If you've seen The Lost Boys, you know, there's the, uh, I think his name's mm. Mikey, the older brother. He drinks the the blood and he becomes like a half like a semi vampire you know so there is they're telling you in a lot of these movies what sort of things are going on you know they're, they're kind of drip feeding you with the mm -hmm. uh, you know the sort of stuff that goes on in, you know, in real programming life. type of yes exactly yeah um but what i was going to say uh, i was just about to i've lost my thread there i was about to kind of go into yes the survivors so the survivors that have come forward have shared such similar accounts now that it can't be uh, dismissed um, this is all, you know, very consistent amongst all of them. And um, I've also yeah. spoken to survivors who talked about how some of these children aren't just kidnapped, um, you know, from the streets mm -hmm. in, in the way that I described earlier. A lot of them are actually born into these satanic families. So these children. Yeah, that's what I've um, born into these satanic families. And this, the moment they're born, they become that they're, they're like passed around from the families to their friends and they're, you know, raped and um, even put through mind control programs so that they can't ever speak out and they just become, you know, like uh, sex slaves to their own family as well and to their family's friends, which is, you know, horrific in itself. Um, but it also goes into oh. um, MK Ultra and mind control and how they're deliberately um, tortured even as sometimes, even when they're in the womb as well, they can be tortured because when they're tortured in uh, before the age of three, what happens is it fragments the mind and shatters it into like a, if you can imagine like a honeycomb structure where you have all the different compartments. 
that's what happens to the mind. So if you can imagine the mind like a plain piece of glass, it gets shattered into different fragments. Or like I used to, I like to refer to it as honeycomb compartments. And mm-hmm. then what happens is within these different compartments, these are known as alters, like alter egos. Mm-hmm. So what can happen is when they're traumatized at that early age and the mind fractures and it creates these alters, the abuser can actually start to program that person and move them into these different alters where they can implant certain tasks and um, create different personas that that person will then take on. So we now know this is multiple personality or disassociative identity disorder, but this is actually how the uh, abuser can actually move them into these different alters. And you can even create, I've spoken to people that have become super soldiers, which are like assassins, where they've actually been programmed mm-hmm. to move into a certain altar to become a killer. And then they don't even know they are the killer because when they come back into the self again, they have there's like an amnesiac barrier around that altar, which they don't realize. So th- it goes very, very deep, very dark, and it, and it goes back thousands of years, almost to the beginning of time, this. And um, it's all starting to come to light. Uh, my book is just you know, a great reveal. Cult. It's just... Yeah, it's just about bringing this to light, shining a light on this darkness. I think we're starting to, it's starting to come out. You know, we know about Jeffrey Epstein. We know about Ghislaine Maxwell. We know about Prince Andrew, but people are sort of turning a blind eye when it comes to, you know, Prince Charles was best friends with Jimmy Savile. I'm sure you might, if you want to show some photos of, there we go. You know, if you typed in Jimmy Savile and Prince Charles into Google, you'll find dozens of photos of them together. Why is no one questioning that? You know, you are, what, what do yeah. they say? You are the, the company, you are the company you keep, you know? So um, right. people are just top five people. unwilling to look at that. Yes, no. exactly. So, yeah, so. It's so, um, so, so the, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, yeah, because it's so dark. I think a lot of people just don't want to look at it. You know, it's not easy for people to accept that this is real. Um, I wanted to mm. ask you uh, before we go into some of the, uh, demonic stuff. Cause I, I do want to touch on that. I mm. think it's, you know, I, I don't want to focus too much on it, but I think it's important to just to bring awareness and for people to understand mm. what it is people believe in, because, uh, you know, like any worldview, people are very passionate about their belief yeah. system and these people really believe, you know, that, that these are their worships. So, uh, but before mm. we get into that, um, I I I guess just to say that you can't um, you can't tackle a problem you don't know, so you need to know thy enemy, right? So I do think it's important to shine mm-hmm. some light on that. But before we do, I wanted to ask about the international structure because I think one of the things mm-hmm. you know, obviously, the Epstein list was. Uh, I think they just uh, revealed at least some of it. I, I don't know how much of that was uh, that really. I haven't had time to dive into it yet, but um, but I think more than the list itself. What we know about Epstein in particular is it wasn't just the, you know, the pedophilia and the, you know, other kinds of horrifying acts that may have gone along with that. And that's not to undermine that. It's very dark and, Mm. you know, should not be condoned. But it looks like it was really just part of a much larger operation to to foist and uh, advance a lot of New World Order agendas. Um, you know, I mean, he yeah. was, uh, he invested in Charles Lieber. I just learned that he uh, was behind the remote birth control pill with Bill Gates. I mean, he's been mm. involved in financing so many different, uh, the quantum dot, which, you know, looks like it's a, 
a great tool for uh, the quantum dot uh, research that was done at MIT, which is a great tool for pushing through a digital currency. Um, so, mm. I, I mean, this is just a small fraction of the things that he was involved in uh, funding and abetting. So it looks like it was much, it's a much bigger operation than just an already, you know, absolutely atrocious uh, child trafficking ring. yeah absolutely uh, yeah and i've actually got um some insights into that as well um because you're right okay. it's not just about it's not just about them um fulfilling their disgusting desires here it's not just about that there's also a right. manipulation strategy that's built into this as well so um i've spoken to people that have explained this to me and um someone like jeffrey epstein um would entice people to his island and this is just jeffrey epstein but this goes on everywhere as well it's not just this is just using him as an example so people mm -hmm. would agree to go there and rape children sacrifice children and this will be used on camera as well so this will be a lot of this will be filmed and then once it's mm -hmm. filmed they've got these people and therefore they can blackmail these people because they'll say if you know you you don't go along with what we say then this is right. going to come out and your life's going to be ruined. And right. as far as I know, a lot of these people, they actually do it knowing that as well, but it's, it's, it's done as a sort of a, a in, in their way, a way of bonding and agreeing to be part of this darker cult. They're kind of doing it. And, mm -hmm. and some of them are allowing themselves to be filmed. They know they're being filmed because it's their way of, of, of um, securing that alliance, that allegiance with, uh, you know, with these people. So they're doing it knowing that, they, that there's blackmail on them that can be used forever. And um, and that's how it's done. And so these people are then put into high positions of power in different institutions and they're able to, and it's all, there's how it's all connected and they're being puppeteered by the source, so, you know, because they've got that blackmail on them. And I've spoken to people that have had that, that have been blackmailed. Um, and it's quite, yeah, it's quite scary actually, the sorts of things that they can do. There's, um, there was a guy who recently, I think it was about six months ago, maybe yeah, maybe a bit longer than that. He was a celebrity in England. I'll see if I can remember his no name in a minute. Um, and he was a ex-rugby player. I think he was on one of the uh, reality TV shows as well. And he was uh, drugged and he was uh, blackmailed. And he even came out and he did a video and he says, they're looking for me. My life's in danger. He started off the video saying, my life's in danger. Um, please help me. And they did a blackmail campaign on him. If you don't mind, I might actually look at my, I'd quite like to find the name of that guy just so, just for the reference. Yeah, of, of course. That. Um, if, if that's okay, because yeah. I've got it. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, please do. Yeah. No so we have that. You might have to put a cut in that. But is there anything you'd like to, okay. to add to that or, or, or say whilst I'm looking that up? <laughs> Yeah, no, sure. Um, I mean, I, that is what it looks like to me. It looks, you know, I, I from my research and from talking to people as well, I've definitely, uh, it definitely looks like it's a, you know, a lever of power when they have, you know, the, the goods on somebody like a videotape, then they can use yes. that in order to blackmail them later in order to advance, yeah. uh, you know, whatever agendas it is. I, I guess I'm a little That's bit him. curious. Levi how... Davis. Okay. Uh, oh, X Factor. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's so crazy I, 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 when I, you said this. 
yeah, I, I really implore people to watch the video that he does to camera, this one here, that this is a screen grab from the okay. video that he does. He starts off the video okay. by saying, my life is in, my name is Levi Davis, my life is in danger. Um, and then a month later, no one's seen this guy. We, no one's seen him ever since, as far as I'm aware. Wow. So he, he did this video and um, he's not been seen ever since. Um, because he was uh, drugged and, and, and blackmailed and people were tracking him and following him. So he looks possessed, honestly. Like that, like stare, you know? Oh, yeah. Yeah. There. Yeah. They, so they came like after him see. because he, he was trying to yeah. he was trying to expose a lot of things. And um, and yeah, that, that was it. And it's very it's very eerie, very creepy, because after that, straight after that, yeah. he's just gone missing and has not been seen ever since. Wow. Yeah. So you, that's you the, that's, the that's the level of manipulation. That's the kind of the level of manipulation that we see. It's not just about the uh, the, the sadistic pleasures. It's also about there's a, there's a trade, there's a blackmail element to it. There's a control element to all of this. Um it's also about, you know, making sure certain people are in certain positions of power around, you know, around the world. Mhm. Mm you were saying that uh sometimes they they know that they're uh, going along and they're being filmed and they're, uh, you know, yeah. they're wittingly a part of this process and they do it uh, yeah. to solidify an allegiance uh, to the group. Yeah. Uh, what, why, what do you think entices them to do that? Knowing what this group is and what, what might lie ahead? Because, the, because they are all from that, that dark um, occult, you know, they're, it, they're, they're from the same, uh, societies, you know, secret societies mm -hmm. uh, at large, you know, generally speaking, this guy, Levi Davis, wasn't, he was, he was drugged and blackmailed. His videos are even put on the, on the black market, you know, of him being raped and stuff like that. And he, they were trying wow. desperately hard to blackmail him to do, make him do certain things. But in answer to your wow. question, the reason they do that is because in these certain secret society groups, they are, um, they're showing their allegiance. They're showing their alliance by saying, yes, I'm happy to, you know, they do all types of things to, to swear their allegiance to, to the group, you know? So um, it's their way of saying, yeah, I'm, I'm in this for life. You know, I'm kind of in this with you, you know, as the group, we all, that, that's how they do it. You know? So I know to, to the, mm -hmm. to the normal, rational, compassionate mind, it doesn't make sense, does it? But that's just how these no. psychopaths, sickos, sickos think, you know, that's how they bond, how they group together. They club together because then when they're clubbed together, they, they form a, you know, a big, big body, a, a big, uh, big organization where they can then put their people into different uh, top positions of power in different institutions all over the world. Um, and that's how, mm -hmm. you know, Hollywood, the music industry, police, um, you know, everywhere. That's mm -hmm. how they they do it. And that's why it's very it's corrupt at the highest level of everything. People say, well, surely we'd know about this, the, the mainstream media, that it all come out, the journalists would speak about this. It doesn't because at the very top of all of these, there's someone that's making sure this information doesn't come out. They're all connected. You know, as I said, these satanic mm -hmm. rituals that go on, you had police there, the top of the police there, the top of the care home, some of the people there, the top of the, you know, the, the military, um, you know, they're all there and they're all part of this. So what chance you know, right. do we have of, of getting this out? Right. Uh, well, what well, we do, uh, you know, people like you well, and yeah, uh, people who come forth mm. and share their testimonies and stories. I, I do think we mm. do have a chance. Um, when you were 
So when you're saying about the, how all these top of these institutions and you're saying they're all connected. So I think that yep. gets confusing for people because how could, how could something so vast, I mean, I know it's few people, it's a relatively small mm. portion of people, um, but it is such a vast, uh, you know, uh, impact. Um, and it's, uh, you know, really all over the world. Like it's in every mm. type, of, you know, it's really the top of every institution, as you mentioned, like the, like Hollywood music, uh, police force, these mm. care, uh, homes, these, yeah. uh, you know, charities media, as well. Charities. Oh, charities for sure. Uh, media. Um, I think, you know, the, uh, industrial military industrial complex that uh, there's lots mm. of players there, mm. politics, we could go on and on. Uh, but how are they all connected? How does that work? Uh, do you have any insights on that? They're all connected because these psych yeah, it's because they, the, these psychopaths, they rise to the top and they're also making sure they're helping their, their, their clan out to reach the top positions of power in, 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 in their institutions. So they're all pulling mm -hmm. for each other. They're all trying to help each other out to get their people mm -hmm. in these top positions of power. And, um, mm -hmm. you know, I've spoken to people, you know, so for instance, in Hollywood, you know, which we know is a satanic, you know, uh, place in itself. They're not really um, hiding it but, now. <laughs> yeah. It, 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 I wouldn't say that, that it's all everyone that works in Hollywood is like this. You know, it's just there's a there's a minority minority of people that do propel each other to the tops of these in, institutions. And behind right. closed doors, they do they are all in in uh, cahoots with each other, mm -hmm. if that makes sense. So scratch the surface in these kind of secret societies, these groups, they are they know each other and they help and then they help each other out. Um, you know, within their own careers, within their own occupations. So do you think that these secret societies are all connected? Do you think they're all interrelated? Um, there's so many of them. And so many there's that so most many people of don't them. even know of. <laughs> yeah, um, we did talk a little in the book, we do talk a little bit about the Freemasons and, and John touches mm -hmm. upon that. And he actually said that um, around 70 to 80% of the there's one department in the police, one unit called the, the you know, the dog unit in, within the police, in the Met Police. And he said 70 to 80% were Freemasons. And they used to do like a little mm -hmm. knuckle rub, rub to each other, you know, a little secret handshake to each other, um, you know, mm -hmm. so they know they're, and they, well, they, it's not secret. They would say, you know, are you in the lodge? That's what they used to call it, right. you know? Uh, and they were called, known, right. they were known as the Larrys, the, La the Larry Masons, the, uh, the um, sorry, the Larry Graysons, the Masons, Cockney rhyming slang. And um, so we talked a little bit about that. John Wedger says to me that from what he knows about the Freemasons, let's just take them as an example. The, mm -hmm. the low level Freemasons, they get into that thinking they're doing good. In fact, the Freemasons on a very low level, I think they do a lot of, you know, charity work, philanthropy. They sort of, they help a lot of people out. I think that's what entices a lot of people in. So on a very low level, there's pre probably people in that are trying to do good work. I'm sure there is. Mm -hmm. um, but then as... Mm -hmm as it rises to the top, the, this gets inverted. And so it reaches the top. It, it's, it's, you know, it's, it, you could almost say a demonic um, presence, you know, at the very top of these institutions. And um, mm -hmm. I believe a lot at, the, at that very top level, that's what's sort of pulling the strings. Um, and they're the ones mm -hmm. that are turning up and doing these sort of satanic rituals and stuff like that. Um, I don't have all the answers, you know, I'm just a, a journalist. I'm kind of, yeah. I, I'm connecting the dots as I'm going along. Um, but it is all starting it. to, the great reveal is starting to happen. Yeah. 
Absolutely. No, I, I get it yeah. totally. Uh, and there is so much we don't know. What of uh, the the demonic element of it would you want to share? Yeah, so this is where it kind of, um, when I first started to scratch the surface of this, I was like, mm-hmm. no, I, I can't, I can't go there with this. I just don't, I just don't believe this is possible. But the more and more I started to look into it, the same accounts were happening, the same um, stories, same testimonies from survivors, that there is some kind of demonic realm that when these children are getting sacrificed and killed in these rituals and they're actually being killed on altars and they're being, you know, it's like eyes wide shut where they're wearing the robes and they're, and they're surrounding these children. It's all done in a sort of that kind of reverence in that kind of almost, um, yeah, you, you can imagine, yeah, like those eyes wide shut where they've got the capes on, you know, it's that kind of thing, you know, and um, they talk about children being killed on these altars and they seem within the faces and within the eyes of the people that have um, killed these children, that something's entered their body and their faces have changed, their eyes have changed. And it's, they've described it as a demonic entity entering the bodies of these people. And that has been consistent across many different survivors that I've spoken to. And if I was to sort of theorize or, or come to a conclusion about what I think is happening, I think there, I think we live in a, Okay, I'm going to take a, a step back if that's okay. Yeah, this kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. this isn't just by quick. This isn't just from imagination. This eyes wide shut. Do we think you know? Do right. we think that this is all coming from just someone's imagination about what happens? They're all taken from parts of reality, and they're putting it into these right. movies, like you say, predictive programming. They're drip feeding us with what's going on. Um, so yeah, I, I know take a step our back, this is what, yeah. Um, Go on, our American CIA has like a film liaison division. I mean, it's literally on mm-hmm. the front page of their website. You can see, like, they do have this, uh, you know, and they, they, they're always recruiting and they tell you all the movies and TV shows they've worked with. Um, so, mm. yeah, no, there's definitely, it, it's not just, you know, random imaginative uh, creations. Yeah, Absolutely. And if I was to, sort of, yeah, as I say, if I was to start to connect the dots and, and, and say what I, I believe is going on, it's this, it's that um, we live in, well, we understand there's a physical food chain. We understand that within our world, there's a physical food chain. Mm-hmm. But I believe that we live in um, a quantum reality where there's many different dimensions occupying this space at the same time. I think even mainstream quantum science talks about string theory. So this is not too detached from where modern science is at mm-hmm. right now. And so where our, di- you can call it a dimension, our, our dimension of reality is, um, there are other dimensions that occupy close to our dimension and it's a little bit like on a radio station where you get close to another radio station you get interference where you can hear both radio stations at the same time and i believe mm-hmm. that there's um there's some kind of uh dimensional food chain that's happening so there's a, a yeah trans-dimensional food chain where certain energies are being trawled um from our our dimension and it's being trawled from a, a, a dimension that's very close to ours and you could call that a demonic realm, a, de- a, a demonic a dimension. And I, I believe that what's happening in these rituals is that they're taking children because they represent absolute purity, that innocence, that purity. Um, and when they're sacrificed, it's a that is almost like nectar to the demonic realm. And it's passed over in that ritual. That's where the, the crossover point is, where they're able to there's like a, the Faustus, the Faustian bargain, right? I don't know if you know that story, but 
you know, selling himself to the yeah. devil in order to get certain gifts. And when that happens, right. there's almost, there's an exchange that happens where this child's innocence is given away. And in return, a certain power, a certain superficial power is given to that person. And that's why, again, going back to your earlier question, why they all club together, because they're given these powers and it's like a shared power network. And um, they're able to propel themselves in different fields, different careers, different occupations because of that superficial power. And you hear about certain singers, Jay-Z talking about, I sold my soul soul to the devil. Um, you know, you hear about celebrities talking about how that it's, uh, you know, there's, they're dropping in hints to the, the devil realm, the demonic realm, and how it's helped them in their careers mm-hmm. and stuff like that. I think even Bob Dylan did as well. I did, I did a video on this before. Mm-hmm. So that's what I believe is happening. I think that is the demonic realm. I've spoken to guests on my show that have said they've actually been possessed as well. So they were used as a sex slave and people would have, people would have sex with her. So there was an exchange um, between her and the person raping her. and she would take on this demonic entity and then other people would want to have sex with her so that they too would take on the power of the demonic entity within her. And so it's, you know, and then she was being traded from Africa to England and then she was being passed around because people would want to have sex with her so that their energies would um, integrate. And so they would take on the power that she had within her. And it's just like, yeah, uh, it's just mind blowing. And more people I speak to, like, um, how how is this even possible it's like how do i not know about this why is this so buried from mainstream awareness it's just you know it's it's mm-hmm. it's crazy really but um yeah I, so at first i thought this is absolute woo woo i can't get my head around this 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 has to be you know for for a long time i was thinking maybe this is just part of the psyche maybe when they're talking about mm-hmm. the demonic world it's actually a referent to a part of our psyche which has the potential to be quite evil like more psychopathic you know and maybe it's just like mm-hmm. a kind of an archetype for that but the more you the more guests you speak to about this the more survivors that come forward um this this goes on you know and um it's hard it's hard to step away from it yeah absolutely it's so crazy to think about like somebody being passed around so that people can access dark spirits and think that they're going to ascertain some sort of power from it Uh, and that's just it's it's Mm. actually just unfathomable to me it's it's really so it's just so dark yeah um it's also it is so as you said it's it's kind of it's Mm. hard to wrap your head around like how is that actually possible but i i too have spoken to enough Mm. people where i i can't really deny it at this point um, because whether or not they actually achieve this power or whether or not these dark spirits is, exist or not is kind of irrelevant. What's relevant is that there are people who very strongly believe in, in it, uh, enough so that mm. there is a cult. Um, you could call it a cult, perhaps, you know, a religion, uh, but it is a collective of people who share this worldview um, and mm. uh, live their life accordingly and unfortunately affect yeah. the lives of the rest of us as a result so mm-hmm. and also just to add on add to that is that these mm-hmm. survivors so they they've seen a lot of this go on in these rituals and they've seen children being killed in front of them and um mm-hmm. a lot of the children that are groomed into this or they they've got they, they they're part of that satanic family they will then also go on to be abusers themselves hurt people can often mm-hmm. go on to hurt people 
Um, but there's a lot of survivors right. that have actually turned their lives around and they've healed themselves or they're going through a journey of healing and now they're healing other people. So I've interviewed someone called An yes. Annika Lucas who's doing that. Uh, another a lady mm -hmm. called Rachel Vaughan as well. Um, they're both incredible okay. women that have gone through that and they're, they've really worked through all that trauma and now they're actually healing other people and, and, and sharing their their story and their light and they're trying to they've really alchemized that darkness into light and um that's also possible right. as well you know so some of the some of these people can come out of that um if they've gone through mind control programs they've had to deal with multiple personalities um sometimes mm -hmm. as many as i spoke to um a therapist who, who deals with multiple uh personalities within his uh his clients he said one client has a 250 alters so those oh. 250 different alters are representational of all the different types of trauma that come in and another altar has to come in to protect the other altar and another one and another one and another one and uh, he broke down how that works and how it can exponentially create more and more altars so you can imagine being in adulthood and trying to redo all of that i mean that's you know that's almost just at the foot of Everest, you know, like trying to deal with all that. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, 250. That's, that's a lot. Um, mm. I've, I've talked to several people who are, you know, either in the process or who have healed. Uh, one mm. of them is uh, Lisa Meester. Uh, and she has okay. a, a program. She's her, her, she does a show, I believe. And I think she has a book called uh, only God rescued me. So for her, uh, her faith was a really strong part of her um, being able to yeah. integrate. That, that's what they they call it to integrate all of the altars. And of course, Kathy O'Brien. Um, yes, she talks about her testimony, uh, which is incredibly powerful. She's she's really amazing. Uh, but her, uh, do you know her story? Are you familiar with Kathy O'Brien? I do. I I actually reached out to Kathy. Oh, I'm I'm trying to get an interview with her. To be honest with you, yeah. Oh, um, I'll she, I'll reach out to yeah. her and see if she'd be open to me connecting. Yeah, um, yeah she's wonderful. Yeah. So she, mm. yeah, I'll, I'll definitely see if I can make a, an introduction there. But yeah, she her mm. husband was she was an MT Ultra survivor actually. So yeah. her husband was in the intelligence. Uh, agencies and uh, uh, taught her like he worked through a program that and, and mm. that she used in order and she has a book on it uh, a time to heal mm. and uh, she was able to integrate and create a system so yeah no I think it's definitely possible and that's a and I think one yeah. of the things that is uh, so powerful about this is that of course we want healing for all of these victims but I think what they've done, and I'd like to know your thoughts on this, but what I think mm. is that they've done a lot of these beta tests on these individuals, and then they've uh, extrapolated those lessons into uh, a methodology for mass scale uh, trauma-based mind control. So I, I think, you know, none of us are impervious to trauma. Like all of us experience some sort of mm. trauma throughout our lives. That's part of being human. Uh, but I think that yeah. they're has been several kinds of uh, intentional uh, crisis traumatic events that have been unleashed on the populace of you know various societies and cultures and sometimes worldwide uh you know like i, I feel that way about covid to be quite honest um mm. and it is for the purposes of mind control so i think learning from these uh, survivors and people who have healed is a great lesson to all of us of how we can, you know, buffer ourselves and uh, yeah, absolutely. 
that's such a good point if we're just if we just kind of maybe go off on a tangent there and just talk about mind control um yeah as you say it's not just um exclusive to these survivors in this particular topic that we're talking about mind control is being yeah. used on all of us all the time and as you mentioned there with yeah. covid i believe that there was um the the planet was hypnotized they were actually using mm -hmm. certain hypnotic um you know, like NLP on the public to yeah. manipulate them, uh, manipulate their perception. Uh, for instance, uh, what, one hypnotic trick, uh, hypnosis tool that's used is double binds. So a double bind is where you hold two opposite words together uh, and the brain can't process it and it creates cognitive dissonance. So for instance, up, down, if you said, can you be up, down? You can't be up and down at the same time. Uh, and so what happens is it creates cognitive dissonance, which puts you into a hypnagogic state, which makes you more uh, impressionable to certain manipulation uh, strategies. So what did we see during COVID? Social distancing. Social, you, you can't be social and distance at the same time. Social is about no. closeness and togetherness and community. And distancing is the opposite of that. You cannot be social distanced. You know, it's like the two, that's a, that's a double bind. You also had alone together. That was another one. You can't be alone and together. It's just two, <laughs> the no. opposites. Um, you know, you had... Right. Uh, you had i think they were talking about lockdown liberation all these sorts of things these are oh all my God. double binds there we go yeah yeah and, and what a <laughs> uh, that's very hypnotic because they use alliteration lockdown li liberation alliteration. oh Liter and yeah they yeah. also use the alliteration yeah new normal alliteration and double bind new not you can't be new and normal normal is the existing state of no. something and new is something totally different so they were dropping in all these uh double binds to hypnotize us one of many ways of mind control amongst all the others you know they used uh, repeated mantras that was another one they ritualized it yep. by getting us to i don't know what they did in america but you know people were banging on pots and pans at a certain time every week so it was ritualized what um they oh did you not did you not have that they, in uh, america no we did not have <laughs> okay, that okay so Wait, um, what was that yeah okay so at a certain time so like eight o'clock on a, every wednesday they encouraged everyone to go outside their house and bang on pots and pans um to support the nhs so it was also a way of seeing on the neighborhood who are the heretics who are the ones that are not buying into all this you know it's what like a subtle right. form of it's like cultish it's actually forming it's, a cult it's a ritual you know? initiation yeah it was and, a cult. And that's like I, I, believe, I believe it was a cult yeah it, it, for me mm -hmm. covid is actually a cult and uh, they, they're able to draw people into this cult by uh, different aspects and you know using all that hypnotic language the nlp uh, pumping them full of fear confusion uh, even things like even the lockdown itself for me it's energetic uh, manipulation because um, if you think about any form of uh, okay so if you take a horror movie for instance there's a tension there's a suspense that's built up and then there's a release where the monster comes out and rips the guy's head off, for instance. If you think about music, there's always like a, generally speaking, there's always a buildup of music, a tension, a crescendo in the music, right. and then there's a release. And this is, this act, we right. know that this affects people. It creates that emotional impact on people. Um, mm -hmm. it, if you think of anything that's sort of pleasurable in life, there's generally a tension that builds up and then there's a release. If you don't have that tension built up, there's no real pleasure in the release. So what happened is you had this yeah. huge lockdown. So it builds up that pressure, that builds up that tension. Everyone's indoors and everyone's getting pumped full of fear from their TV screens. And then have that for so long, all that tension building up. And then the release valve on that pressure cooker was have the jab, it can all go away. 
So immediately everyone mm-hmm. has this gushing feeling of wanting to have that, you know, that release from it. And then they've quickly got that right. vaccine ready for everyone. Bang, there it is. And there's the release to the tension. So on an energetic level as well, that's how the, uh, the, the manipulation and the hypnosis worked. So you're right. There's, it's yeah. not, this mind controls is, is ongoing for everyone, you know. Yeah. And with trauma-based mind control, as you said, there typically is tension. There's the, often the traumatic event and then there or the crisis. And then there's the release. Mm. They let up a little bit and then they clamp down. And that's the, that's yeah. typically kind of the pattern that they use, you know, because you you have mm. this illusion of now being free when really it's just it, it would be like if somebody were to to choke your neck. Right. I think that's a good example. Like they're squeezing, squeezing mm. your neck and then suddenly they release a little bit. You feel like you're now free. Right. You and, you have this sense of yeah, and then back on again. And that, you're vulnerable. Right. They can. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, that's also a, a hypnotic trick. It's, it's called um, fractionation. It's a fractionation technique where you put them under and you take them out and you take put take them you know put them under again and take them out and you keep doing this right. uh, and and so like you say they you know give lockdown then we're going to give you a bit of freedom though you're back in again we're going to give you a little bit of freedom that you know take it away again take it away again in and out of the trance in and out of the trance uh, and that's how hypnotists is one of the ways that they um, put people into a trance uh, is through that fractionation right. technique so once you you know once people take a look at this and look at it with honest innocent eyes of what's going on it's right in front of you it's hidden in plain sight a lot of this stuff um but it's uh when you're within the fear uh you tend to join in with the hive mind when you're in a state of fear you will generally gravitate towards um just going with the the group consciousness um you know people people equated um morality with following orders that's the psychology Mm -hmm. i believe people just equated um, I'm a good person if I follow orders um, rather than right. being a good person because I've got a strong moral compass and I know what's right and what's wrong. And that was what separated the people. And I'm sure you've had this, Courtney, where your friends and family are just following orders and you're just really strong in that moral compass and, you, and, and you're going to do what you know is right, independent of what you're being told. And they're telling you, come on, just yeah. do it and you can. we can all go back to normal. That's what created the. There's a, that's what created the, the schism, the separation amongst the people. And you know, you've got one group that I believe have really woken up, and they can see the. It's like the Matrix. They can see it all with the green. You know, mm-hmm. they they can see it all happening. And then you've got the other people, who are just the Agent Smiths, and they're just trying to make sh- the Neos subsume back into the into the Matrix again. You know, so I'm sure you've had that experience. You could be walking down the street with your friend, but you're in two alternate realities you know? totally I, I in hindsight I feel like I've had that my whole life uh but I think COVID definitely made mm. me much more uh hyper aware of how how divergent mm. I tend to be so yeah I I definitely yeah. had that experience I'm curious about yeah. you mentioned MK Ultra. And what do you see any mm. I personally I don't think that MK Ultra necessarily quote unquote, ended. I, I think it may have renamed and rebranded and yeah. gone underground mm. under uh, various different operations or p- perhaps privatized. Mm. Um, but yeah. I, I do you think there's a connection between uh, these uh, these trafficking rings, the uh, satanic rituals and uh, the uh, formal MK mm. Ultra? experiments and studies that were done which were you know i think uh, I, i'm sure you're aware but a lot of people think that this mm. was just a cia operation but it was really a worldwide mm. uh 
constructed yes. uh, project. Yeah, as far as I'm aware, this mind control goes on everywhere under different names. Um, but one, mm -hmm. the, the common denominator to it, from what I know at my level now of, of my research, is that um, yeah. the way that this mind control works is it's yeah it's trauma induced. So these children, they and, and it has to be really done on children, and especially as I said before, um, it's often done before the age of three. There's a, I don't know why that is, but that's come up a lot about how it's it has to be done before the age of three to for them to have total Project control Monarch, over these children. Oh, is that what I they say Project in Project Monarch, Monarch as well? Is it? Yeah, so right. Project yeah. Monarch Project, was yeah. uh, where they, the intergenerational trauma, and I, I think that's where a lot yeah. of the studies showed how effective it was to uh, do it on children and in utero, actually, also. So a lot of times they would traumatize yes. uh, not just the, the pregnant woman, but, you know, to inflict some sort of trauma um, that would Absolutely. affect uh, the baby. And um, we talk about that a bit in the book as well. And we say, and um, they sometimes electric shock treatment can be done on the mother in, you know, around the womb area. So these children are traumatized, you know, in utero so that the, that's when the, the, the mind control starts. And um, we, uh, we spoke to um, some victims of this, some survivors of this, and they would actually develop an altar. And one of the altars was called Sparky because when they're elect electrocuted, because they don't want to feel the pain of in that present moment, they flip into mm. an altar, they shift into an altar. And that altar is like you detach from yourself or you could imagine it's like a replacement, you know, so it's so much, it's so painful that you come out of your body and something else goes in. It's another way of maybe looking at it, but it's still you, but you're just shifting from right. one compartment to another. And this one, this particular one, whenever this child would be electrocuted, again, that's part of the torture, they would flip into this altar and they named it Sparky. And so Sparky was like a superhero character for them. But it got it gets even yeah. stranger than that, because what happens is, is when they go into these altars, they can develop super, super strength, superpowers. And um, one of the uh, survivors that John references uh, was this this lady. And she's only about five foot. But when she flips into this altar, she flips into this altar. Um, I think her name's Panda. Uh, and Panda is like a big doorman. In her mind, she developed this altar who's this big, strong, you know, six foot five doorman, like security guard. And she said that oh. um, when she's when she's threatened and she goes into this altar called Panda, she takes on the super strength of this six foot five security guy. And she said someone approached her and was quite intimidating. And she flipped into Panda and she lifted this guy off his feet knocks him across the room and she's only about five foot like slight you know built less than a pencil you know <laughs> like a pen so she she took on the superpowers and the abilities of that altar and when you start to look at that you're like okay this is this is this is quite strange and then you start to realize that many of the celebrities that we see or people in positions of power they've been groomed through this from childhood where they've been tortured mind control programmed and programmed within those altars within those compartments to take on these superpowers these abilities that they can then use in their fields and you know make money and um you know for the people torturing them and, and being the abusers of these people so a lot of these people that we see maybe singers so i spoke to annika lucas she was actually groomed to be a singer like a you know a brilliant singer so she was taken into that altar and we've had super soldiers wow. people that are assassins that are taken into this altar where they're an assassin and they've got superpowers, super abilities. 
Um, Rachel Vaughan I spoke to, she became a psychic within her altar. And uh, the way that that was described was she, there'd be someone in a different room and she would be um, tortured, often electrocuted. Um, and if she didn't guess the word that, that the person was thinking in the other room, she'd be electrocuted. So she was almost in a Pavlovian way um, conditioned to maintain her psychic abilities. And she still maintained those psychic abilities as well to this day. So, I mean, it's just, yeah, <laughs> the stuff that's going on is way, way, way beyond what we're, what we know in our little pea-sized um, awareness. Sure. Well, and I'm sure, I, seriously, I'm sure that uh, when you talk about the uh, psychic, uh, is that Rachel Vaughn who you had mentioned who became Rachel, a psychic? Yeah. I'm wondering if they uh, taught her like remote viewing techniques because um, that's definitely something that uh, I know the CIA was working on. Um, like they had some underground uh, research projects on that. Mm. Um, so I'd be curious. I if believe that, that, I believe that I, I, th I think that she um, she was able to do that. But I do know that other people are tortured and mind controlled to do that. And then they're used as assets. They're used to be able to do that. Uh, so that they can mm -hmm. i think rachel uh, yeah if i can remember right i think she she was uh mind controlled to do that because then they're used to be able to remote view on you know enemies <laughs> or you know other people right. um so yeah it's yeah it really goes into the supernatural here the paranormal it really does but this is something that's been used for a, a long time now uh we're not really privy to in the mainstream but um this does go on yeah I, it definitely goes on and you have talked to the people firsthand mm. who are living proof that it does. It was interesting about the, when you're talking about the altars and the different uh, capabilities, mm. I know they did a study with uh, dissociative personality disorders and in one state, the, the person uh, had like a anaphylactic, you know, that's a severe allergy where they, they could potentially yeah. die uh, to peanut. And then in the other altar, they didn't. They were completely fine, no allergy at all, like not even a hint of yes, it. Yes, exactly. And I thought that's so fascinating because it really does show how powerful the brain is and uh, the different coping mechanisms of, of the brain and of the, Absolutely. you know, the stories that we uh, believe. Absolutely. And yeah, and, I forgot that thing. I'm glad you mentioned that because Panda, who I mentioned, the lady whose altar is called Panda, she went for yeah. an eye test and she wears these big, thick, um, like milk bottle glasses, you know, like she's, she's blind as a bat. She can't see. So she needs these glasses. Right. And she went for this eye test and because she felt threatened by the, the person that was in the room, she flipped into Panda. And because Panda doesn't wear glasses, she could, she passed the, uh, the eye test. She had a uh, 20, 20 vision, you know, like perfect vision because when she did the eye test, she was doing it as her altar Panda. And so she completely right. passed the eye test. So it's just, yeah, it's unbelievable. It's, really. it's astounding. And when when you hear stories like yeah. that, I feel like it's really hard to ignore uh, the potential of, uh, you know, a spiritual realm or an interdimensional realm, because we we tend to take yeah. things as being so literal and so uh, material. And I don't think, you know, mm -hmm. I think people tend to think in binary. They want to think mm -hmm. of one or the other. And I don't mm -hmm. think we should ignore the physical realm. We clearly live in day-to-day -day in very physical, tangible. I mean, I have an actual pen that I write with, and that's useful, mm -hmm. you know. Um, but Yeah, but there's something I, I else, think, yeah. 
Yeah, I think it's pretty hard to ignore, especially when you hear things like that, that there is something else. And, you know, that we are a part of a, a, a world that is beyond uh, the 3D as we think of it. Um, and that there is something, you know, that we can't yeah. necessarily fathom or comprehend. Yeah, because I, I also wanted to touch on, you know, you mentioned earlier about the way that some of these survivors have found healing is actually through Jesus Christ. That's been a way for a lot mm. of these survivors. That's how they've done it. Yeah. And I'm, Which is I'll fascinating. Be honest, I've never been, and I've never really been religious, but that you, mm. you've got to start thinking that there is something going on there because so many survivors are actually finding healing by connecting to what they, you know, Jesus Christ. And we can talk about what we think that is, but sure. I think what's happening is we live in a, a reality. It's part light, part sound and part holographic. Mm. And I think what's happening mm -hmm. is this is not to denigrate religion at all or people's beliefs in, mm -hmm. you know, sure. in religion, Jesus Christ, anything else. But what I think in this reality construct that we're in, I think that where energy goes, where attention goes, energy flows. So if you have um, a number of people all directing their focus and energy towards Jesus Christ as an archetype, I think that animates it in the holographic realm somewhere. And it becomes, mm -hmm. you can, it becomes almost like a morphic field, or I think another word for this is egregoria. It actually becomes its own consciousness within the holographic uh, matrix, if you like, the whole holographic simulation, mm -hmm. or whatever you want to call it, of reality. And I think when people do right. connect to it, they are connecting to that shared field of information, that shared morphic field that is referred to as Jesus Christ. It's, 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 it's a, a unique signature energetically. And I think people tune into that and they are able to connect to something. Mm -hmm. It has its own um, yeah, energetic uh, vibration or consciousness, whatever you want to call it. And I think that they are connecting to that. And I think that is a people call it Christ consciousness, different ways of describing mm -hmm. it. We don't know. I don't sure. know. But I do believe that, that that is healing for a lot of people. And then if you go to the, you know, the East, people will be, um, you know, worshipping other deities and they'll be connecting to those. And those also exist in the holographic uh, framework and they are connecting to that egg or egregoria and they are, you know, benefiting from that in, in certain ways. So I do believe that is actually what's happening. Uh, and there might also be a, a negative egregoria, which is the demonic say, realm yeah. that people like right. Yeah, and so I think that's how, to my understanding, that's kind of yeah. where I'm thinking at the moment. Obviously, I'm not I'm not cemented. I'm not married to that, but I believe that's sure. possibly what's happening. I, I that resonates a lot for me, actually. Um, I think it's really interesting that so many of them have found healing in in Christ, in particular, because um, yeah. a lot of times they weaponize that for them. So in a lot of these. Uh, you know, a lot of the survivors I've talked to, they were very uh, hesitant to, you know, hear, they, they literally shut down mm. when you mention anything religious, anything uh, Christian yeah. base, uh, the name mm. Christ. Uh, a lot of them had a just an immediate aversion or shut down. And some of them, it would trigger altars. And I, I think that they had a, mm. Part of this programming is a weaponization of uh, religion. Typically, from my from what I've heard, oftentimes it is Christianity that they use uh, to weaponize and to create to use to to insert triggers and uh, create altars. Mm. Um, so it's very interesting that some of them have been able to. And I know people who do work uh, that's specifically focused in this capacity on helping to introduce um, 
some sort of faith-based uh, healing mechanism yes. uh, for them and guidance program for them. And it, yeah. I mean, to watch that transformation, it, it's beautiful to watch that. And But it's also fascinating. It's yeah. fascinating to see yeah. going from one to the other, the very thing that Absolutely. they were so afraid and, of. The thing that they... And I think partly that's the, re the reason is that um, John Wedger talks about this a lot. He, he says that sat sat Satanism or the satanic rituals is all about inverting everything that's intrinsic yeah. to life and nature itself. So if you can think about like, you know, like the purity, as I said before, the purity of a, of a child, the innocence of a, of a child, they want to destroy that because it's like the complete inverse of, you know, innocence. They want to um, block right. out the sunlight. You know, we depend on the sunlight. It's the most natural thing, in, you know, that we can see. They want to dim that. They want to dim the sunlight. They're trying to uh, invert carbon dioxide. Carbon dioxide is a plant food. We need it. It's, 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 you know, it's, it's one literally of the, most the life molecule, important substance, life molecule of the planet, and yet they're demonizing it and making yeah. us really scared of it, and they're considering it like a pollutant. They're trying to invert yeah. the sexes, so male and female. They're trying to blend, you know, uh, blur the, the the lines between male and female. Um, they're trying to right. actually, I would say, there's a depopulation part as well, where they're actually trying to stop procreation, which you could say connects with the trans agenda stuff as well. Um, so yeah. Everything that is connected to life, procreation, nature, they're trying to invert, flip on its head. I yeah. mean, that is what the satanic agenda is. Uh, and so it, that you could say that that represents that demonic world that actually um, is in complete loggerheads with, you could call it God, you could call it life, nature, whichever you find mm -hmm. more comfortable using. But it's the complete subversion of that or the inversion of that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would agree. Absolutely. Mm. I think uh, if you take the biblical perspective that uh, then uh, Satan is not capable mm. of creating. So you can only, you know, destroy, invert, distort. Mm. Uh, I always say yeah. that uh, the satanic or, you know, I, I, whatever you want to call them, but that they have a trinity that they worship and it's the triple D's. And uh, the first one is uh, deception. So they distort, manipulate, invert in order to uh, mm. lure you in. And uh, then the second one is uh, divide, and, divide and conquer, right? They use dialectics. They pit people against each other, uh, all for the purposes of uh, negation and uh, fake, you know, false synthesis. Um, and then, mm. or manufactured synthesis, um, you know, to insert their, their variation. Mm. And then uh, the third one is destruction. And uh, you could, it's, destruction is kind of synonymous with death, right? To destroy, to... Uh, desist and that's why they're the death cult but yeah that's i like of, that that's the three d's i might have to um yeah. i might have to work that in <laughs> to my repertoire at some point that was very good the i like trinity. that yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah so courtney yeah, can i ask you then can i ask you so, mm -hmm. um you've obviously done a lot of research yourself into this um and what's been you know who have you spoken to and what what kind of uh, conclusions have you formed um you know from all this um, I've spoken to quite a few people. So I mentioned some of them, Lisa Meester, uh, Kathy O'Brien. Um, I've spoken to a few others. And uh, my experience is that it's, uh, one, it's just, it's so hard to hear. Sometimes it's, you know, it's, it's really gut-wrenching. Gut it's the, you know, when you think about, all of us have had some sort of trauma. But when you think about this type of trauma intentionally, you know, most of the time the trauma that we've 
that we've experienced is our own interpretation of a situation, an event, uh, or circumstance. You know, it's really about how we reacted to it. They, they've done studies with twins who both, you know, uh, had the exact same experience, same circumstance, and one had a traumatic response to it and the other one did not. So this indicates that, you know, a lot of trauma is really our response to whatever the circumstance or event mm -hmm. might be. However, when you hear some of these stories, it's, I think the part that makes it so unfathomable and so hard for people to grasp is that these traumatic uh, events were intentionally done. They were intentionally uh, to, for the purpose of creating trauma and that that trauma was yeah. intentional to control another human being. And to me, that's just, mm. you know, regardless of your worldview, I think, you know, the most sacred thing in life is our free will. I, I think, you know, if you do take a biblical worldview, God endowed us with free will. That's uh, one of the primary tenets of, you know, most mm. religions, I would say, but certainly of, uh, you know, the, the Judeo-Christian uh, Bible. That's, mm. you know, first and foremost, God gives you free will. And then, you know, he wants to be chosen. And interestingly enough, Satan wants to be chosen too. Uh, you know, he, mm. Satan, I, when, from what I can see, they, they, he may do things that are a little bit more coercive, but still not forced. You still have to choose. You saw that with things like COVID. I think it's a great example of that. Uh, you know, they made it very mm. difficult for you to have a job, to, uh, you know, get along, to be part of society. If you didn't, you know, subscribe to uh, certain rituals like wearing a mask, like taking a jab, uh, but you weren't necessarily forced. I mean, people didn't hold a gun to your head. They didn't run around chasing you with, uh, you know, injections. Um, and this isn't to undermine people's circumstances. I understand some people had tremendous situational pressures uh, that mm. they su succumbed, you know, whether it be to feed their family or, you know, there, there are many, I, I'm not judging another person's circumstance or their choice, but it wasn't forced upon them. They weren't, you know, people didn't run after them with guns and, you know, jabs. That just didn't happen. So, you know, that's a good example because there's coercive uh, force, but it's not forced. You still have to choose. And I think uh, that is true of, you know, God doesn't coerce you. That's, that's to me, the biggest difference, at least according to the biblical mm. stories. You know, it's more of like, yeah. you know, he wants you to learn the lessons, ask the questions, and then to be chosen. But free will is really the thing that to me is just so sacred. So this notion of another human being wanting to stifle that, wanting to control another life is just about as evil as anything I can possibly conceive. And, you know, that's the mm. thing that always strikes me whenever I hear these stories is that all of these dark acts that are taken, all of these, this blackmail, this ritual is really about controlling the life of another. And in some cases, the life of many. Um, and I think that, you know, yes. again, that's part of the reason why this of, of interest to me is because I don't think that it's relegated to, you know, just the uh, victims of this type of abuse. I, I think that really all of us uh, feel the effects and the ramifications and all of us are being uh, controlled. And I think that the the agenda is to in enslave and control as many as possible using a lot of these techniques or some extrapolation and some variation of these Absolutely. techniques. And that's part of why it's so, I, that's part of why I think it's relevant. I think part of why it's important for people to understand. Uh, and it's part of why I want to bring awareness to this. But again, as much as I care for each and every one of these people, and I want to see, mm. you know, all the healing for them and their progeny, 
you know, it, I don't think it's just about them. I think that really, you know, they're, right. yeah. So yeah, absolutely. It's uh, such a great point. It's such a great point is that we are being constantly manipulated, um, especially through words, spells, spelling. So, yep. so you've got to look at all the words, all the spells that you see around you that you might not even be aware of, but they're having some kind of effect on yep. you. When someone shows you yep. the spell, it breaks the spell. And then you're like, oh, right. Okay. That's the word. You know, for instance, when yep. you walk into a shop above the door, it says entrance, right? It's never right. said entrance. It's always said entrance, doesn't it? There's no such word as entrance. It's always said entrance, you know? So hopefully now that you've seen that, you'll see that word entrance. I've broken, you've broken the spell. I can't undo that. You know? <laughs> exactly. It's, what, what's entrance? Entrance isn't a word. It's always said entrance the whole time. But we're tricked through emphasis. So the way that we emphasize the word is entrance. So we're, mm -hmm. we, we miss it, right? we're tricked through the emphasis but there's loads of these words that we're you know you could even you know go back to covid covid in itself i mean for me that's a sigil um you know you've got co and then you've yeah. got v and then you've got id right you've got va it's vaccination right. id um it's a sigil yeah. it's like you could say predictive programming um you could look, you, look yeah. at, you could even look into chaos magic and you see how sigils are made to um create an attention uh, create an intention that manifests and I believe that COVID was mm -hmm. a sigil, um, you know, to to kind of yeah. create within the to create a vaccination ID. Um, so there's lots yeah. of these words. If you kind of start looking at it and you start breaking down these spells, um, breaking the spell of spelling, I would say, yeah. But being conscious of all the mm -hmm. words that you're using and all the words that you're 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 noticing around you, you know. It's like when you learn the magician's magic trick. It's not. Uh, it mm. doesn't have the, quite the impression that it did before. Yeah, right? exactly. yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and the sleight of hand that yeah. it, when you can actually see the other hand, yeah, then suddenly you're not you're not entranced in the mm. same way. But that is so worth. I'm never going to look at that word the same way. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, there's lot there's there's lots of them, but I mean, even you know, I spoke about before. I said you know, I believe this reality construct is made up of um, light, uh, sound, and and geometry. Yeah. That's the other one I think I said right. So mm -hmm. you can even look at um, the. the references to sound that we see around us so um you see football one is could argue on that pitch. light and sound are yeah you could argue that connected. light and sound are actually connected to geometry yeah yeah exactly they're uh, all right kind there. of interconnected so you you look at all the words um so you have um you you print out a note of paper there's a note of paper right football's played on a pitch when the ball goes in the net it's a score these are all musical terms our body is made up of organs. When we die, we decompose. Uh, if I conduct yourself better, come on, compose yourself better. You know, they're all sound-based words, right? And then you have lights. You have, um, when you see something, it's the, the past tense is seen. Another spelling of that is S-C-E-N-E, -E, you know? So a scene or um, a sight. Right. You know, you have a S-I-T-E, mm -hmm. it's a sight, but it's also a sight, S-I-G-H-T. So you have lots of clues right. there to refer to the fact that there's what these these spells, these light words, and also the sound words as well that are coming in there. Mm -hmm. You can even say words like universe. The universe is the one song. So you, you have lots of references to sound, lots of references to, to light. Um, and uh, mm -hmm. yeah, <laughs> and then this is all, and all the other spells that are being used as well. <laughs> oh, for sure, mm. for sure. I always, I you know, I don't speak another language, so... 
I'm always, uh, when I hear things like this, I, I'm always curious mm -hmm. about the effects in another language. I, I do think that they're trying to make English pretty universal. I mean, it's a, it's even in other countries mm -hmm. where it's not the primary language, most uh, know English or are taught it as their second language from a very young age. Um, so I, mm -hmm. I see a lot of indication of that, and uh, I'm sure that that's by design. I don't think that that's just happenstance because of yes. the influence or the petrodollar. Um, I, I think it has yeah, more exactly. to do with uh, some universal plans, yeah. Yeah, so a lot of people say that. They said, well, that word doesn't exist in Spanish or French or whatever, but the yeah. fact is, is English is the universal language, and I think that English is a mental language, and I think that when you're mm -hmm. in the mental language, you can be more... Um, influenced and manipulated that way and so that's there's a reason why English is the universal language and everyone uses it so um, you have to look at it in those terms why is that why is it that the language that's most readily used and I think that's because a lot of it is it's like a it's a mental paradigm that can be when you're in that mental world you can be more manipulated through words and spells than you would if you're more embodied mm -hmm. you're in a, more of an embodied language yeah yeah, I I think that's very true. Uh, they definitely want to disconnect our, our mind, body, and spirit, disconnect all of them uh, from each other. Mm -hmm. So I, I could see that. Yeah. I do wonder a lot about that just because, uh, you know, there is, I tend to look at words, I look at the etymology of the word uh, mm. because I want to see uh, the, how they're intentionally using it, what, what spells might they be casting. And a lot of times the etymology is coming from, uh, you know, maybe a Greek uh latin uh sometimes we have a lot of french actually in english um there's a lot of french influence mm. and uh certainly some germanic influence very interesting when you look i don't speak german but i've been to germany mm. so i saw a lot of the words written and written it looks so mm. much like english but spoken it's almost nothing like english yeah um, it's but it's still very mental isn't it german is, is still it's yes. still a very mental language isn't it yeah um, mm -hmm. But it's funny you should Very say that because um, I, I'm the same. When I see a word, I go on to etymol online um, and I look up mm -hmm. the etymology yeah. of the words just to see the, if there's a spell there that I need to break, you know. And um, one of the ones yeah. that really knocked me back was that I used to talk a lot about the matrix and I typed matrix into et the etymology dictionary and it actually means the womb. And that, that's like, a, that was a massive one for me when I realized that it actually goes back to the old French word mattress um, and it actually comes from womb or the mother. So makes you look at the Matrix movie in a totally different way. And you see where Neo is, um, you know, when he wakes up in the harvest field in the pod, he's in his own little womb and everyone's in their own little womb. And he, he takes the, umbil the umbilical cord comes out, doesn't it? And that, for me, yeah. that's what the Matrix movie is about. It's about the great mother, the devouring mother archetype. There we go. Um, so look at this. If you look at that mm -hmm. from the old French matrice, meaning womb, uterus. Um, I mean, who knew that? <laughs> you know, like, why did we, why did did we not, not know that? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Matrice, matrice, uterus, womb, old French matrice, womb, mm. uterus, directly from Latin mm. matrix, genitive matrices. A pregnant animal. Yeah. In late Latin, it's womb also womb. source origin from yeah. mater genitive matrice mother. Mother. Which is so. so now we know that. Yeah, mother. Now, now, yeah. now, now look at the Matrix movie in a totally different light. You know where you see that everyone is in those little pods and they're connected to the mother 
aren't they? Through the, the, um, the cords that are all coming out from the machinery. And then he breaks free of that, doesn't he? Neo breaks out of the pod. He breaks away from the mother and he individuates and he, um, he becomes Neo and it means the new. So something that's normal and, 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 and part of the, the same is it, the state is just, you know, um, perpetuating. He breaks out of that and he individuates and he becomes Neo the new. You could even you can also uh, refer this to you know breaking out of the collective to become an individual. Right. That's what it means on its deepest level, I believe. That the Matrix, you know, and they even say you know Neo, you're the one. You know, you've heard that one. So it's about going from the collective, the the, the blob, you know, individuating like a line coming out is the like the right. you know if you think about the number one, it's a line. It's about individuating out mm-hmm. of the the Borg out of the blob, you know? Um, and so there's a lot of references yeah. in, in the matrix, but for me, that's what it represents. You know, society right now, we are all infantilized by the state. We are all made to feel dependent mm-hmm. on the state to look after us. These people in the, these top p- politicians and government, they're meant to be the admin bods. They're below us. We you know we're ahead of them. We're, you know, they're, they're, we've employed them to do our job for us, but they've somehow flipped yeah. the script. They've done a bait and switch where they're at the top. And we are now, uh, you know, kind of, please look after me. Please Serving look after them. me. You know, COVID is like, you know, please just give me the jab. Just tell me what to do and I'll do it, you know. But it's about being the Neo, breaking out of that. Um, take out the umbilical cord. Be true to yourself. No, Have a moral compass, you know. Be the new energy. Be the change energy. That new change energy breaks the, the matrix. And that's why you have, I'm sure you've had this, Courtney, is when, when you mention something like the jab or the pandemic or anything like that, people around you will turn into agent smiths they will start saying hey you can't say that you're one of those you're a conspiracy theorist you're this you're that and it, that what they're trying to do is bring you back into the matrix they're trying to turn you into an agent smith and get you to become part of that high mind again that's why they all look the same the agent smiths are all dressed the same uh they all look the same it's because that represents that homogenization of thought and physicality you know and so it's in to, to stand in your true individuality takes a lot of strength because you know that you're going to get all the agent smiths trying to kind of bring you back into the blob into the matrix but part of the strength is to actually go no and when you truly understand that no i'm not going to do it you know the the bullets can't affect you anymore right (laughs) right yeah and you know it it's so right it's so interesting when you think about it this way too in terms of uh all of the the intentional uh, trauma infliction because oftentimes what happens with trauma is uh, somebody becomes infantilized in that that time period right so like that's part of what happens with the dissociated personality right they that's an imprint from the time of that trauma and the brain almost freezes it right like encapsulates uh for at that time period and uh, you see this a lot of times with uh you know like a uh, people who are addicts, like dr- drug abuse, uh, different types of mm. addictions, oftentimes uh, they become, they, they, it's almost like even if they're an adult, it's like they're still very infantilized. They're very childlike in their behavior. Mm. And it's typically the, the trauma that the time of that, uh, when that started. And I, I think that that's really interesting in light of what you just shared about, you know, this analogy for the, the matrix and the etymology of these words, because I think that children are much easier uh, to control, to manipulate. They are 
by definition, mm. inherently dependent. Uh, you know, yes. some are more precocious than others, but they're, you know, certainly in the formative years of life, they are literally dependent. Uh, you know, an infant can't even regulate their own nervous system. They're dependent upon their mother to uh, regulate their own nervous system. So they're, that's just by definition, they, they're dependents. And so therefore, they're going to be much more susceptible and vulnerable to any types of manipulations and uh, control measures uh, that are inflicted mm. upon them. So it makes sense that they want to, uh, you know, create all of these various types of uh, tra traumas in order to infantilize people so that they can come in and be uh, the quote unquote parents, <laughs> uh, mom and daddy. Absolutely. Stay. But, but how many people are still children in their adulthood? That's the thing. I mean, you know, you think about yeah. how we've outsourced, we've outsourced every aspect of our lives. So health, we've outsourced that to our GP, our general practitioner, you know, um, we don't look into that. Mm. The, the majority of people don't look into that. Um, we've outsourced our information. So we just listen to the news, whatever the news reader says to us, that's what it is. You know, for me, the, yeah. the being the Neo in, in, in reality now is about insourcing everything. So it's about mm. instead of relying on the supermarkets, you know, start looking into, um, you know, growing your own food, um, you know, cultivating mm. your own um, fruit and veg. Um, it's about right. insourcing your information. We should all become detectives, journalists. Yeah. You know, find all this stuff out yourself. You know, don't trust the BBC or you know the, what the new what the guy in the in the suit and ties telling you. Insource it. <laughs> be your own detective. Be your own journalist. You know, do you know what I mean? So yeah. for me, that's what um, part of that infantilization is. I think a lot of adults still depend on the news to tell us the tea, the box in the corner of the room to tell us what the information is. Uh, big farmer to tell us what's healthy you know the supermarket food we'll just eat that won't question it you know for me that the stepping into adulthood is to insource all of that and to start really questioning all of it and actually take it back into our hands again because it's very easy just to do whatever they're telling us to do basically you know right yeah I think uh, I, I did an episode on intrinsic versus extrinsic knowledge and I think it really is about the uh, interplay between the two, uh, but you have to develop a, uh, you know, a metric, a heuristic score, intrinsic knowledge that are measured against the world around you and the, you know, the interplay and in your interaction with uh, reality. I put reality in quotes, you know, but with the, the world, Absolutely. the tangibles that you can measure up against and. I, I think that that's what's so lost because, as you said, it's it's one or the other. People are, I think, people are either so, uh, you know, willing to take just whatever the extrinsic gives them, uh, the authorities, if you will, um, and then mm. there's others who do the complete opposite and shut themselves off, and you know, they think they know everything, and you know, I don't think that's healthy either. I, I think this is really one of the biggest, like quintessential issues is this uh you know dualism without any uh interconnectivity you know that it's all all there or all within and i i think that both are really important i think you know the individual is absolutely essential i i think that we all have tremendous you know gifts talents and it's incumbent mm -hmm. upon each of us to hone them and harness them in order to be of contribution to the world um and i think that we all we all have great purpose and Yet, I think that it's undeniable how interconnected we are. I, I don't think we can, you know, ignore that we 
impact each other. This is why people talk about legacy. Uh, you know, I don't think that it's just from an egoistic perspective of, oh, I need to, you know, leave something. And, you know, for some people it may be, but I think the reason that's even a concept is because we do have impact and we do affect each other. And, you know, the, the smallest action does have a reaction, a result, um, and an impact really mm. is the, you know, the, the right word for it. So I, Absolutely, I think people yeah. need to look at that when they're, uh, yeah, but, but you're right. So many people are not looking inward at all. <laughs> so then, and I think some of that's by design. I think they're stripping people of individual identity, um, to create a group identity because it's much easier to pit groups against each other and to manipulate them than it is, uh, if you have people who are treating each other as individuals. Absolutely. Yeah. And you're right in, in saying that, um, you know, that there's a difference between being an individual and being isolated, atomized, you know, individuals that is not connected, it's not integrated. Um, and then mm -hmm. you would have, let's say, the collective where it's like the hive mind and, you know, everyone thinks the same. It's like they're meant to even look the same. You know, it's just a complete homogenized blob. It's about integrating the individual with the collective. So we're not meant to be these atomized units. And we're not also right. meant to be a homogenized blob either. When we come as individuals and we integrate with the community, that's how we bring yeah. about change. You know, like if you think about all the different organs in the body, the heart can't do the liver's job. The liver's can't do the kidney's job. We, right. we acknowledge that they've all got their unique gifts that they bring to the organism. So the, all the separate organs right. come together to form the organism, like instruments in an orchestra. You know, if they're all the same instrument, it wouldn't would work would it? you know so that's why it's we but the in, but the individual comes first this is what i think the 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 collectivists don't honor the individual so the collectivist's yeah. biggest fear is the individual and the individual's biggest fear is the collective but actually you need each other like a, in harmony with each other there has to be some kind of yin and yang there like if you, you can't have yeah. a field of grass without the individual blades of grass that make up the field of grass do you see what i mean so exactly. the individuals come first within the collective uh, and i think that's once we bring that together, you know, that is the real change. Yeah. But what's happening is like you mentioned before, it's the divide. It's about pitting the individuals against the, uh, the, the, the collectivists, you know what I mean? When mm -hmm. actually these two should be uh, working together, integrating. Yeah, absolutely. I'm very curious what you see for, mm. uh, so this year mm. is an election year for, uh, Americans, you know, every four years, mm. there, there has to be some sort of chaos and, you know, craziness. Uh, and then a lot mm. of people are speculating we won't even have an election. But what I've learned over the past few years is that uh, it seems to have a ripple effect. And uh, it, it's not just us who are affected by this, uh, you know, craziness every four years. Um, so, mm. and, and that may sound very naive. But, you know, when I was younger, I really didn't, I I mean, I don't really pay too much, I pay much more attention now, but I didn't pay too much attention to, you know, foreign elections and what was going on in uh, politics in other countries. But I noticed, and it really was 2020, you know, I was very late to waking up. Um, it, it took me a long time. But uh, in 2020, a lot of people were approaching me from all around the world, talking about uh, the election and uh, prior to the election, you know, mm. so many people were saying how they really hoped Trump got in office. And uh, then there were a lot of people afterwards who were talking about uh, the, you know, the suspected fraud. And I just was fascinated by it. The fact that it had that much of an impact on uh, people mm. in uh, other nations. I, I now have a much better understanding. I know I sound incredibly naive saying this, um, but, you know, at, at the time it really was, I was kind of 
interesting to me. And now, of course, I understand. But all this to to ask you. So, what are your thoughts about? Do you think this year oh, is going to be? Eventful? I might upset a lot of people. <laughs> <laughs> um, Go for the it. way that I see the way that okay, well, I might lose a lot of people here. The way that I see politics is uh, much like you know you have your WWF wrestling in America. Yeah. Um, <laughs> You know, you know, you know, you have um, you. you have the bad guy, you have the bad guy, which mm -hmm. is known as the heel, and then you have the the good guys, the baby face. That's what they're called, right? So sometimes okay, yeah. you have the, uh, the the bad guy, the heel, whoever uh -huh. it is, um, Undertaker or something like that. You know, like pick a pick a typical heel wrestler name, right? Actually, he's probably a good guy now. Okay. But, um, he'll have he'll have a run at the belt for a series of weeks, okay? And then mm. when they want to change it, the the people working the storylines will flip the belt to the uh, the baby face like your hulk hogan's your you know your um steve austin's stone cold steve austin and then they'll get the belt for a while and it will flip and then it will flip oh. back to the the hill and then it will keep dovetailing backwards and forwards and it's a, it's like good cop bad cop so when mm -hmm. this is how politics for me works is that they'll have a run where they'll have one political group come in one politician comes in and when they realize that they've completely lost the, the the imagination of the public they'll bring in yep. a, a good guy one that's looking like a renegade that's going to like change everything be the change this is the one that's finally going to do it and then when the <laughs> you know, the trust you know wanes with that person because they want people yep. to completely detach from politics they'll flip back into like a trump and then that's like this is the guy because this is the guy he's not connected to politics he's a renegade he, he you know he's not mm -hmm. uh, bought into you know he hasn't been paid off by anyone so this is the guy that's going to bring the change and then when that doesn't work they'll flip into the other guy and it's a constant flipping like a like a slinky going down the stairs a good cop bad right. cop good cop bad cop renegade going to change the system this guy's going to finally do it now this guy and they keep doing it it's marketing you know they know what they, they know the avatar they know the wwf wrestler they, they need to bring in that's going to um capture the imagination of the people that's going to go right no this is the one that's going to finally do it and it just never ends it's like a concert and it's for me it's a one mm -hmm. it's not a two-party state it's a one-party state these presidents aren't yeah um elected they're selected they're selected in the same mm -hmm. way that these wwf wrestlers are selected to they know who's going to win the belt before they go out into the ring they're told who's going to get the pin they said, you're going to get the yeah. pin, three, two, one, whatever, you know, and you're going to get the belt and you're going to, you know, it's the same thing for, for me. And that's how politics works. It's not a two party state. It's a, it's a one party state, but we're made to believe that we're voting for one and the other. I know it's going to upset a lot of people. That's just the way I see it. No, I, I, I see it very similar. I, you know, I always point mm. to uh, tragedy and hope. Uh, he, he talked that with Carol mm. Quigley and he talked about that for, you know, years. Uh, that mm -hmm. I think he wrote it in the '60s. I think it was published in the '70s. And he essentially said the CFR mm -hmm. has selected our elected officials for, uh, you know, over a century. And he said that was back then. So it's been mm -hmm. it's been a long time. Right. If he if he's accurate, mm -hmm. uh, and he was an archivist for the CFR, so uh, he may have known something. Mm -hmm. um, I think that you know the mm -hmm. machines have definitely exacerbated the magnitude of fraud. Um, and uh, the capacity mm. to be able to uh, install who they wish. Um, but I think my, my question was really more, do you mm. see there being uh, some, a lot of people mm. are speculating whether or not we're even going to have an election. And I, I'm curious if you see, because the way I look at it is that they're installing these people so that they can uh, advance a 
you know, a more worldwide agenda. I think the plans are, you know, they call it the New World Order, the Great Reset. It, I mean, it's had many, many mm. names, but, you know, it's essentially an yeah. internationalist social order. Uh, and I think they want to bring in a, a world religion that looks like it's going to be AI, an AI god, god, which, you know, looks like a cyber Satan, mm. if you will, <laughs> in, in my yeah. opinion. Yeah, no, uh, I agree. You know, so yeah, no, I still think though that even yeah, even even with the the politicians, um, I would still rather have the 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 good guy, the baby face, come in as the politician, if you like the the presidential, yeah. you know, for the, for president or for prime minister in England. I that, sure. because even though I still believe on some level they're all connected, um, it's a little bit right. like you know heads heads I win, tails you lose situation. I still think that, but mm -hmm. even despite that, I think on a localized level, I still think that certain candidates um, are going to accelerate these agendas quicker mm -hmm. than others you know like the great yes. reset for instance and, and you know whatever it is agenda 30 agenda 21 certain politicians yeah. are going to accelerate that quicker than others uh, whereas you know yes. like a, a biden or a trudeau in canada is someone that would want to accelerate this quickly but if you had a trump come in he would slow that down he would almost bring that to a standstill and then he would do certain things on a localized level, which would be beneficial to the country. See what I mean? But yeah. I still think ultimately the system, the game's rigged. That's what I'm saying. And in the long run, yeah, it's, well, I don't... It, it's difficult to dismantle that. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I don't mm. disagree with that. I'm wondering if you think they're going to be any like big kind of a cataclysmic or uh, mass scale trauma <laughs> events, if you will. Oh, <laughs> yeah, I do me. actually. Yeah. I, I, I was, it was funny you should say that because, um, I, I posted up something recently and I, I, I did like a multiple choice and I was asking people to vote and I said, what's going to be the new psyop of this year? Is it going to be, are we going to get the alien invasion? Are we going to get, you know, what are we going to get? Are we going to get another pandemic, another pandemic? What is it? And so I was trying to get everyone's right. uh, opinion on what they think the next one's going to be. But obviously the, you know, there's so many, isn't there? It could be forest fires. It could be, you know, who knows, a cyber blackout. God, I mean, Project Bluebeam. I mean, there's so many, isn't there? They can do as a distraction method. It's just take your pick. It's a buffet at this point, isn't it? <laughs> See, no, I, it, there are so many, so many. And I I think they kind of play uh, whack-a-mole. They just throw darts and then they're like, okay, well, this worked, this didn't work. Mm. And, you know, they, they pivot. Uh, well, I'm curious what the... Uh, with the zeitgeist where you are is like are people uh awake to kind of like a the great reset agendas are people uh are most people asleep or what what is the well i i guess it's i think it's pretty similar to to where you are i think you know there's a yeah. the, the majority are asleep you know so i would say the majority mm -hmm. are the npcs that we see uh the non-player characters yeah. um then you mm -hmm. have certain amount which are agent smiths or you could call these like the uh, the the blue tickers, the ones that are trying to push this online and trying to push these agendas, um, and I call them the right. you know like the blue tickers, you know like the kind of the celebrities that are on Twitter and they're trying to they're the the, the mouthpiece for a lot of this sort of stuff. But I would say there is a small yeah. percentage. I don't know how, I don't know may, maybe about fifteen twenty percent are awake to what's going on. Um, I would like to mm -hmm. say more because online I'm I'm constantly seeing loads of these people who are awake, but. In the general right. scheme of things, when you go out your day-to-day -day life, the people, the Joe blogs that you see in the supermarkets, most of these are, have no idea what's going on because they probably don't right. even watch the news. And if they did watch the news, it's like propaganda anyway. So um, unfortunately, right. it is a small minority. But let's be honest, 10% is still a lot of people. 10, 20% of, of the population is huge, you know. So sure. 
um, you know, five, what's that? Six, you know, let's say 6 million people in, in England. Mm-hmm. Um, still a lot of people, isn't it? So, um, yeah. yeah. So there is, I think there is, a, there is a change going on. You mentioned there that you, you had a big wake up in 2020, for instance, right? I think mm-hmm. a lot of people had a big wake yeah. up in after 9-11. I think these certain events uh, yes. that come in, these tragic events, these traumatizing events, I think what happens is mm-hmm. it has a, um, it has a sharpening effect on the, on people. So it's a little bit like putting the, 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 the sword through the blacksmith's fire, you know, when this, when you have these traumatic events, these, these big events happen, it has the effect of waking us up, sharpening our awareness, sharpening us, you know? So, um, 9-11 was one that woke up a lot of people. That was the first wave. I think 2020 woke up a whole nother batch of people. So in a way, these draconian tyrannical events, there's an equal and opposite. There's like a correspondence that happens whereby it actually does, you know, there's there's a sharpening effect on us. You know, there's a kind of a real, you know, it's putting us uh, through the mill and it wakes us up. A lot of people, it wakes them up. My, 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 some of my family members, they woke up from during 2020, you know, and now, you know, for me, it, it actually helped me as well. I thought I was awake, but now I'll never get any jab again. I'm not going to get any jab. <laughs> yeah. I used to be quite sympathetic to jabs. I'm not going to get any of them now. So, it actually helped me with certain blind spots. You know, I didn't realize the difference between yeah. terrain theory and germ theory. Now, I'm now thinking, you know, I don't actually believe that, you know, certain what we're told in, in the uh, mainstream and pharmaceuticals, uh, pharmaceutical industry is necessarily the truth. So, you know, this has opened my eyes to a lot of blind spots that I wouldn't normally have uh, looked at. Same. Uh, and uh, the the terrain germ theory was a big one for me that mm. I had so much cognitive dissonance because of my own birth story is predicated on mm. uh, supposedly my mom had germ measles during her trimester of pregnancy. So it was really hard for me to even look at, you know, any possibility of uh, mm. anything else. And uh, I, I definitely don't see any evidence to substantiate uh, you know, a contagion mm. uh, in terms of viruses. That at this point, I've it's done crazy, enough research. It? It's crazy. It is crazy. I mean, it's just. Uh, I mean, the, you know, you know, the latest one is that um, I'm I'm now realizing is that vitamins don't exist. What? Yeah. <laughs> vitamins don't yeah. exist. Yeah. This is this, this is another one. I mean, this is like the the whole germ theory with with viruses is that. Um, I've been uh, spending some time with uh, a nutritionist called Dan Reuters, and he's he used to come from the the, the mainstream opinion about all this. And like, you know, you're, if you're lacking vitamins, then you know we, you supplement with certain vitamins, right? But he's saying that the only place vitamins exist is in a lab, and he says what we can what we think of as a vitamin deficiency is actually a whole food deficiency. And what's happening in the body is that there's unmetabolized toxicity in the body. And because we're not eating whole foods, we're unable to complete the 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 the, the, um, the metabol- metabolization, if that's the right word, of the foods that we're ingesting, and so it builds up toxicity in the body, and we're perceiving that as a lack of uh, as a vitamin deficiency, and then we're taking all these supplements. But all these supplements that we're taking, these vitamins, are controlled by the pharmaceutical industry, you know, to 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 you know to a large a degree. So. Um, yeah. yeah, a lot of them are. Yeah, but yeah. these. But he's yeah. saying that these. Um, Dan, Dan Reuters is saying that these vitamins actually don't exist, un, apart from in a lab. So it's it's quite incredible, really. You know, like that's even um, been a bit of a paradigm shift. Kind of that's learning a about conversation. that. Conversation. You 
I save I, that well, for another time. <laughs> yeah, we'll save that for another time. That, that definitely seems like a rabbit yeah. hole yeah. unto itself. Yes. Um, I, I yeah. do agree that a lot of uh, you know vitamins supplements are are big pharma controlled. There are independent ones. Um, and I certainly think mm. that we have a, a deficiency of whole foods. You know, obviously so much of our food, mm. food industry is producing synthetic foods. It's really not food at yeah. all. Um, so, I mean, that I mm. definitely agree with. Um, but that's but that's really just, that's kind of astounding. It's really hard to wrap my head around. So I will have to uh, take a look at that. I'll listen <laughs> to that episode. And uh, You know, hey, like the, the way that I look at it is... Um... I'm not married to any ideas that the um, yeah. the way that I learn is that I'm open minded to all of it. And I, I for me, intelligence is about being open minded to um, to everything, but still maintaining skepticism to everything. Now, that's the balance for me. Right. So I'm not necessarily married to that idea, but um, I do open my mind to it and I might change my mind tomorrow and that's OK. But today, this is where sure. I am in my understanding. And then it might change in a month. Or it might change in a year. And as long as you're, for me, it's about flexibility, malleability, being able to be okay with changing and being flexible enough to change your opinion on things. But that's just ha that's just where I'm at in my understanding right now. And it, it definitely might change. And, you know, with, with the podcast that I'm doing, Raising the Bar, um, it's informed my opinion on a lot of things. But again, I'm not married to it. It's just a thought. It's amusing, right. a lot of these things. And it might be totally different tomorrow. So um, I don't want anyone to think that I, I have this sort of dogma with anything. I don't. Because if there's a, if someone, guest comes on and raises my awareness, raises the bar, then I'm going to keep changing and, you know, we keep evolving, don't we? And yeah. we keep developing. And, oh, yeah, here it is. So yeah. um, is it okay to just yeah. talk about this a little bit? Um, okay, yeah, great. please do. So, um, yeah, it's... it's Thank you. So, yeah, it's, um, the podcast is called Raising the Bar, and I invite on some real great guests. There's John Wedger there, and um, next to him is a yeah. professional footballer who came on as well. Um, and I've had survivors on. This guy, Darren Webster, has got an incredible story, and he was actually abused, sexually abused by um, some very high, you know, top politicians, and he was taken to a care home, and he was raped on a daily basis in a care home. And he talks about that. And he was also talks about how a lot of these children are taken to a forest called Rainbow Woods, where they're stripped naked and they're told to run through the forest. And then they're chased by these wealthy businessmen and then they're raped in the in the forest. And some of these kids are killed as well. And he talks about how Jimmy Savile was there. He talks about other you know, celebrities were there as well. So that's an incredible story. So, yeah, so I, I have a this channel is all about, um, you know, talking to whistleblowers, detectives, thought leaders. Um, you know, there's, you know, police officers who are exposing uh, some of the corruption that's going on. Um, yeah, here you can see John Wedger and Isabella. Isabella's the girl that was trafficked from Africa and she was possessed by a demonic spirit. And then people having sex with her to gain that power, which sounds absurd, but check it out. It's an interesting story. And um, she had to go and she had to get an exorcism, an exorcism to get rid of all the demons. And she talks about that exorcism as well. So yeah, so that's uh, yeah. it's called raising the bar. Um, the 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 handle is uh, youtube.com forward slash the John Cooper Show. Um, that's kind of the name of the the channel. And hopefully you can drop a link or whatever. But if you want to subscribe, yeah, please do. And if you want to even, yeah. if anyone wants to recommend any guests or if anyone wants to come on, please hit me up. I'm very open to um, you know having discussions, having conversations because that's what it's about. You know, I call it courageous conversations. Anyway. Is what I, I named one of the playlists. Um, let's have the let's yeah. have more of these conversations let's talk let's 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 raise the bar let's let's raise our education our awareness 
well, this is my Instagram. I don't really use Absolutely. it much, to be honest with you. But um, I love how you yeah. did that with the Instagram. That was awesome, by the way. <laughs> What's that? That's with the, so the grid? cool. <laughs> yeah, the, yeah, the grid. Yeah, that, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I used an app that, for that. That's yeah. so cool. Um, yeah. But, um, but yeah, no, Very Courtney, creative. thank you so much for for um, for letting me come on again. And, you know, I'd like to say thanks for all the work you're doing because you're doing this. You're doing a similar type of thing. I think you're cut from a similar type of cloth, aren't you, that you just want to get the truth out there. I think that you you have the same uh, um, kind of devotion to the truth and getting the word out. Oh, and the book. I forgot to mention the book as well. Um, it's called The Great Reveal. If you could just flash it back up again, I completely forgot about that. <laughs> That's the whole point we're on. Uh, yeah, it's called the Great Reveal. As we've been talking about, I've also got a copy, a copy here. Uh, yeah, it's uh, it's doing really well. Everyone seems to be loving the book, apart from had one troll who said right. that the interview never happened. I had a one, I had one one star review, oh. and the guy said this interview never happened. I'm like, you can watch the interview on YouTube. <laughs> um, but yeah, like, so if you'd right like there. to get a copy of that, yeah, it's right there. So. Um, but it, it, John Wedger actually did say that when you when you start talking about this sort of material, he says you are going to attract yeah. a lot of trolls because um, there's going to be people that want to bring you bring you down. And um, so topics, some people protect yeah. themselves with prayer. Yeah, as he, as he says, it's a, you ha he was actually telling me to protect myself with prayer. But I, I, for me, I think if you just stay in a high vibration, then these things have less of an effect on you. So make sure that you're always with good friends. You know, you're keeping your spirits up. You're having a laugh, you know, like laughing and just feeling light in spirit. I think it, it keeps you out of that bandwidth where you can't be attacked, if you know what I mean. That's my opinion. But yeah. a lot of people protect themselves with prayer, as we talked about before, maybe praying mm -hmm. to Jesus as a kind of a protector energy, mm -hmm. consciousness. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's it's the great view. And I know it's a bit dark and I know it's um, not what, uh, you know, it, people might not want to look at it but you know for me it's about I, I want to use my time here to do good things and I think what could be better than exposing the antichrist or whatever you want to call it the the deepest darkest right. um, levels in, in you know in the world so um, it's one of many books that I'm going to be um, doing um, based on you know interviews that I'm, I'm doing with with guests and uh, yeah that's it really um, so Courtney yeah thank you so much for having me on again yeah, it was such a pleasure. And yes, I agree. I, I, I think we're we're very similar in that for, for me, it's just, it's a curiosity. And, you know, I don't claim to know the truth, uh, but I'm always seeking mm. it, you know? And uh, mm. I do think by be, having, as you call them, courageous conversations that brings us closer. And then those who can watch and listen, uh, it brings them closer because, you know, as always, I uh, you were talking about how it's not that you're you're not dogmatic, you're not wed to any one belief system. I, I think it's really important for us to uh, have conviction in our beliefs, but then to also be open to data points that come forth. So if new data points come forth, oftentimes this is supposed to be the scientific method. <laughs> I, I think it's been greatly eviscerated, unfortunately. Uh, but mm. that was the idea, mm. was that you had a hypothesis, you put that forth, and then you yeah. test it. And if it withstood the test, uh, then you, you know, maybe upheld it. But it was still a model. It's still a theory until... Uh, you know, it is uh, disproven. And uh, that that's one mm. of the rules, right? That uh, nothing can ever be proven. And that doesn't mean that we, you don't keep We've lost it, that, though. Don't keep trying. We've, we've lost, lost that, though, that, in a way, that, haven't we? We've, lo we, we've we lost have. the general ability to take an idea, take the opposite um, idea, 
and then synthesize that, you know, to question the, you know, so if I believe in something, I'll start, I'll research what the, um, the, uh, the adversarial idea is. And then I'll, I'll, I'll try and see whether that has any weight, has any, you know, substance to it. And then I'll integrate it. I'll synthesize it to see what the truth is that I'm sure that used to be the process of working out information, but now it's just trust. It's just hashtag trust the science now, isn't it? It's just trust the science and, uh, or, uh, or just trust their manufactured synthesis, you know, so not an actual analysis of, uh, you know, holding, uh, contrasting principles or testing them up against each other. Mm. It's just, uh, here's your manufactured synthesis. It's a, a false uh, solution and, uh, just be Mm. quiet and trust it. That seems exactly keep quiet. Yeah. 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 Exactly. Well, thank you so exactly, much. It's yeah. been a pleasure. I, I look forward to seeing the book. And uh, yeah, mm. thank you for doing that. I know it's a, it is a dark topic, but I think it is important. And if nothing else, to honor mm. the people who have had the courage to, you know, heal themselves and to speak out so that others can can learn and potentially yeah. be protected. Yeah. And I just want to say that, you know, I'm no expert in this. I'm just a normal guy that has looked into this and is trying to connect some dots and share my journey into this. I'm definitely not someone that is like, like an expert in this. I haven't got it all um, yeah. sussed, but I, I, but in a way that I want that to be, um, I, I want to lead that way because I want to inspire others to know that you don't have to be an expert to look into certain things and be your own detective. And it's okay to admit that you don't have all the answers. I'm learning as I'm going along. I'm just, and that's how it should be. I think, you know, we should all be our own, detectives or own journalists and um you know I don't, i'm not sat i'm not sat here on a throne saying i've got all the answers this is what's happening on i'm just sharing a snapshot in where i am in my journey and i'm just reflecting this back to the audience of where i'm at and hopefully the book also is a way of, of showing that that i'm just a layman you know i'm just a, a joe blogs that is just taking an interest in this like you said i'm just curious just a little bit of curiosity and i'm sharing that curiosity with, yeah. with, with the with the public you know so hopefully they resonate with it and they well, can relate to the the journey I so greatly appreciate it. And I agree. I really appreciate you sharing that because I I think even the so-called experts don't know everything. And I wish they would show a little bit more humility and show their journey. Uh, Because I wish, I think that's what all of us need to do. We learn by proxy. So by witnessing another person's uh, journey, whether it be an intellectual evolution or whether it be personal evolution, uh, just from sharing that other people can you know, glean so much. So, you know, nobody has it all figured out. And even the people who may be so-called experts, uh, that just means they may have spent more time in a particular uh, field or topic. Uh, But they, even in that realm, they don't know everything. There's just no way. It's not possible. So yeah, we're all on that journey. And it's an exploration. It's an unfolding. Yeah, exactly. So, well, thank you so much. I I look forward to the next time. And uh, You're welcome. Thank you. Cheers.
This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.